Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we conclude our series, In God We Trust. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And also on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, good morning, community. How's everybody doing? It's the sunshine, isn't it, man? It's awesome. It is just awesome. It's like it's almost spring, even though it's in the 30s, you know? Right? It's good, good, good. Hey, it's been a, it's been a few weeks since I got a chance to uh, teach here. I, I just want to kind of remind you, just right at the outset, of what a big difference, what a huge impact as a community you are making in the lives of individuals and even people across the country that you may not even be aware of. Let me just remind you of this, too. Um, you know, two weeks ago, we actually baptized in this space. We baptized 46 people. That's right. That was awesome. Then last week, we baptized four more people. And you may not realize this, but as a church, okay, as a church, this ministry year, we are averaging more than one baptism per day. It's like Acts 2.47 where it says, then the Lord added their number daily. Those, I can remember praying, going, God, help us to be that kind of church. That's what's happening here. Is that kind of cool? That's the impact you're making on individuals. Maybe you didn't know this too, but we are now getting to uh, plant churches in prisons. We've been talking about that. We're hoping really soon here in the next couple months to do one in Joliet. The first one actually happened in San Diego at Donovan State Penitentiary. And I got a text from one of the leaders uh, there because their church is on Thursday night. And they said Thursday night at the end of the service, there were six baptisms there in the penitentiary. Now, five of them were inmates. And one of them was a volunteer, because one of the inmates went to the volunteers and said, hey, have you been baptized? He's like, no. He says, well, come on. And so one of the volunteers also got baptized, which I thought, how cool is that? Let me give you one more thing, too. Uh, last week, we, we got, a bunch of us just got back from the Exponential Conference down in Orlando, and, by, and this is just by God's grace. By God's grace and just his kindness, it has now become the largest uh, uh, gathering of church planning leaders in the Western world. And we had 50... Hold it. That's not even the good part, all right? That's not even the good part. We had 5,500 church leaders there. We do nine other conferences around the country in addition to that one. Um, I have the privilege of getting to lead this. Your own community music is there. You can see the picture. They're leading worship in front of all these people. They, our staff team is up front, I mean, leading a lot of the breakouts, teaching it. And here's the thing I'm most excited about, okay? I want to share with you. Over the last several years, our mission through Exponential is to help churches across the United States become multiplying churches. We know when we plant brand new churches, lots more people find their way back to God. And so we did the homework on this a few years ago, and only 4% of all churches in the United States are actually multiplying, planting other churches. Only 4%. We do it all the time, and we're kind of used to it, but only 4%. And we're going like, if we can move the needle, okay, on that, then that could change the spiritual landscape of what's happening in the United States. And so we got, we got an update on this, and we, uh, we began, we had someone actually group called Lifeway Research, do the homework on it, and we found that we're moving the needle. The needle, instead of 4%, has moved beyond that, and every, every percentage point is 1,000 more churches that are multiplying churches. It went from 4% to 5% to 6%. Now 7% of all churches are actually doing that across the United States. And, 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 and here, here's, here's the thing I want to share with you. At the epicenter of this, because this gets kind of missed, okay, is your church. Our example and a lot of your leadership, 
we're getting to share with those people. Here's some of the things that God's been teaching us, and they're starting to do it. So anyway, I'll tell you what. We already did a high five. But do another high five. And someone say, hey, way to go. Good job. Wow, that's even better than I thought. All right? So just want to share that with you. Um, now let's jump into the talk. If, if, if you're new here, if you're new here, this talk's going to be a little bit different than kind of a typical talk because there's going to be a certain point in the talk where it's going to start to feel more, a little more like kind of insider information, kind of like this is for people who consider Community Christian Church their church home, their family. But if you are new, I, I hope you will. I hope you just kind of lean in. And as you listen to the conversation, I hope you'll recognize that this is the kind of conversation that people who, who love each other, who care for each other, this is the kind of conversations they have. And you'll recognize it as, as exactly that. Okay? So I'll tell you, here's what I want to start with. I want to start with by talking about our extra. Okay? I want to start by talking about our extra. Now, just do me a favor, because I know what I'm already thinking. So just lean to the person next to you and just tell them, I don't got any extra. Just tell them, say, I don't got any extra. Say, I don't, what are you talking about, extra? I don't got any extra. Right? There's no extra. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to ask this. Um, if you live indoors, if you eat once a day, <coughs> live indoors or eat once a day, that puts you in the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the whole world. And what often happens is we kind of always compare ourselves <coughs> to people who have more than us. And so we think we don't have any extra, but the truth is, you know what? We do have, compared to the rest of the world, we have extra, all right? So I'll tell you what, now lean over to the person next to you and say, well, maybe I got a little extra, okay? Maybe I got a little extra. Kind of acquiesce just a little bit there, right? A little extra. And I'll tell you what, to prove that you have a little extra, I have an extra quiz for you. So just raise your hand. Um, If you spend more than $2 for a cup of coffee at least once a week, raise your hand, more than $2 for a cup of coffee, come on, I know I've seen some of you in Starbucks, don't, there we go, right? If that's you, guess what? By the world, you have extra. Um, If you've been entertained in the last 30 days by um, maybe you rented a movie, you used your Netflix accounts, or maybe you went to an actual movie and you took out a second mortgage so you could afford the popcorn, okay? (laughs) Seriously, it's just brutal. Um, If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. I'm just saying, you got extra. All right? If, here we go. If, let's talk about clothes. If, if the clothes that you wear to bed are different than the clothes that you wear to work or school and are different yet from the clothes maybe that you work out in or maybe you just kind of relax and hang out in and maybe are different even the, maybe the, and the clothes you go to bed in that night are different than the clothes you went to bed in the night before. Well, that's only the women because guys, it's just shorts and whatever, t-shirt and hopefully it's a clean one. Um, you get the idea. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, different clothes, right? Okay. And I won't wake you to raise your hand on this one, but I bet this is true. How many of you have had the experience? You walk up to your closet, you open the closet doors, you look at a closet full of clothes, and you say out loud, finish this for me, I have what? Right, I have, right? I'm telling you, that is a rich person's problem. Right? That is a rich person's problem. We don't feel like we have extra. But you know what? The rest of the world looks at us and says, you've got to be kidding me. I'd give anything to have your extra. And Jesus told this story, a great story about a guy who had extra. Uh, this guy happened to be a farmer. He was in agriculture. In agricultural terms, he had a bumper crop. He had a, actually had a bumper crop and then a, really after a bumper crop. He, he had a whole lot of extra. 
And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 12, and there it is on the screen in verse 16. In fact, there was so much extra that he asked himself this in verse 17. He says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my extra, all my crops. Okay, again, this is a rich person problem. And then he said, this is what I'll do, okay? I will tear down my barns and I'll build extra big barns. And I'll store all my extra there and my extra extra. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But the problem that Jesus pointed out is this guy assumed, he assumed all his extra was just for him. For him to consume and save so then someday he could consume it. To consume and save so then someday he could consume it. And so this guy with all the extra, here's what he says. He says, he says I'll say to myself, next verse. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. What I'm going to do, I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be merry. <clears throat> now, at this point, everybody listening to Jesus, I mean, they're leaning into this story, and they're envious. They are envious of this, 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 this farmer who had so much extra. But if you've heard this story before, you know now it takes kind of a dark turn. It takes a dark turn, and it says this. God said to him, ah, you've been foolish. You've been foolish. You fool. This very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. And then, who? <clears throat> who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And everybody recognized, listening, that this is a rhetorical question because they all know who's going to get what his extra? Somebody else. The man kept it all to consume it himself. And now everything that he had went to somebody else. And we're going to see what they get to do with the extra. And then Jesus goes on and he puts an exclamation point on this talk, or on this, really, the story. And here's what he says. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. I want you to hang on to that phrase. That's what I, I, that's what I want for every person in this room. And I'll explain why in a little bit. But say that after me, rich toward God. Rich toward God. Say it with a little more, Augusta. Rich toward God. We've got to get that one, Okay. And then at the very end of this whole, this whole society, at the end of this verse, the end of this chapter, around chapter 12, here's what Jesus says. And this is a verse that's changed my life and, and many others around here. He said this, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's kind of like wherever you put your treasure, guess what? Your heart follows. You put your treasure over there, your heart follows it. If your treasure's over there, that wherever your treasure is, your heart is going to follow and be there also. Now, I want you to get something about this guy. This man was not called a fool because he was rich. In fact, this is really important we get this. And I think it's really, really important. There's no command in the Bible not to be rich. In fact, some of us in this room, we are really good at making money. And that is a gift that God's given you. And you ought to make a lot of money. That's not the problem. In fact, the Bible's really clear that God gives us, he's the good, he, he gives every good and perfect gift. He gives them to us freely. And he also wants us to enjoy them. So if you have a nice house, Guess what? I want you to go home. I want you to enjoy it. God wants you to enjoy it. If you drove a nice car and God's given that to you, <clears throat> then you should enjoy it. If you got to go somewhere over, over the winter, somewhere warm on a nice family vacation, you should enjoy it and take me with you next time. Okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's the point. We got to get this right at the outset because otherwise you're going to misunderstand what, what, what Jesus is saying here. This is not about what you have. The man was not called a fool because he was rich. He was a fool because he was not rich toward God. And we're going to get clear about that. This is not about having extra. We all got extra. 
Various amounts of extra. The question becomes, what do you do with the extra and how do you view the extra? And are you following that, what, that last thing that Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let's address this. What are you going to do with what you have? What will you do with what you have? Now, to help us think through this, we, 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 we're going to use a very simple tool, a very simple tool called what we're calling the, the generosity ladder. And I think this is going to be a great, great help to a lot of us as we kind of understand what it, mean, what it means and the benefit of becoming rich toward God. There's two reasons you want to get on this ladder. More than that, really, but we only have time for two. Two reasons you want to get on this ladder. The first reason you want to get on this generosity ladder is because it'll actually help you avoid pain. It will help you avoid pain. The Apostle Paul, he'd been around a while. He brings under, I kind of imagine putting his arm around this young guy, Timothy. He's speaking wisdom into his life. He says, Timothy, I got to talk. We need to, have, we need to talk about money for a little bit here. And here's what he tells him. He says, listen, Timothy, the love of money. And when he says love here, it, it actually, the word there, that word love could actually be translated, and probably better translated, Lust. And again, money's not the problem, but we're going to find out that the lust of, the desire for money becomes the problem. Because the desire of money, that is the root of all sorts of evil. And now he gets personal with Timothy, who's going to be a pastor. He says, Timothy, all sorts of church folks, okay, who started longing for it, have wandered away from their faith. And what happened? They actually created self-inflicted pain. That's what he means when he says they pierced themselves with many griefs. Because here's what happens. If you find yourself with this, in this place where you're moving towards a lust for money, I mean, you really want more. You want, maybe you want more of that than you want more of God. What will happen is you'll find yourself being less than truthful about financial dealings. And that will eventually, it'll, it'll compromise your integrity and your character, but it'll eventually catch up with you and call, it'll be a self-inflicted kind of pain. You'll also find out if you have this, if you get this lust for money, here's what it'll do to you. Lust for money, you will work more hours than you should. And you've got this great marriage, you've got these great kids, or these great friendships, and you will neglect them trying to pursue more money. And it'll, call, it'll be a self-inflicted pain. You'll find yourself fighting over money. In fact, in marriages, research tells us that the, the number one fight that couples have, particularly in the first seven, eight years of marriage, is over money. And it'll be self-inflicted pain that'll happen. But if you'll get on this ladder, you can avoid all this pain. I, I, was, just, I, was, just, I was just reminded this week of a guy I knew. Um, I mean, he, he could just be sitting here, a great guy in so many ways. But he nearly lost everything. I mean, he almost lost his family. He, I mean, he's lost his reputation. He lost his career. And it was in a scandal that involved a relatively small amount of money. And he was one of those kind of last guys you'd ever expect to caught up in something. But it happened, and I'm telling you, and this is, this is why I'm just trying to help you out. It was painful. Money can be a great thing. It's a great tool. But it, it also, if it grabs a hold of your heart, it can be painful. And the reason you're going to want to get on this generosity ladder, we're going to explain how to take steps on it in a minute, is so you can avoid the pain. Here's a second reason, though. The second reason you want to get on the generosity ladder is this is so you can be blessed. One, one of the wisest, but also one of the wealthiest people of all time. Solomon, right? Wealthiest people of all time. He says, here, you can have money, 
<clears throat> but here's how, you got to know what to do with it, not let it control you. And he explains, he says, what you do is you honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. He's saying, listen, you give God the first, so make sure your heart's right and you will be blessed. Now, again, we have to nuance this and parse this and be really careful. God does, God does not say, okay, if you give, I'm going to make you rich. He doesn't say, if you give, I'm going to make you rich. But scripture does clearly say that if you pursue this generosity ladder, you pursue being rich towards God, he will bless you. There's, there's blessings that come back to you on that. You don't get to pick the blessings. I mean, for me, it's not like God's like dumped buckets full of money on me, okay? That's not been my experience. But I, I'll tell you what, I got a great marriage. I, I mean, it's a... She is just a terrific woman. 30 years, right? She's put up with me. That's pretty good, right? I got, I, I got three terrific kids who I love them. They love me. And, and our, it's a close family. It is such, I, it is such a blessing. I, get to, I love being a part of this church that I get to lead. I mean, the things that we're getting to do, the difference we're getting to make, I mean, it is a rare thing. It is a blessing. The opportunities God has even given me I mean, in two weeks I'm, I get, I'm going to be in Brazil, three different cities in Brazil, just talking about some of the things that we're doing here to help us plant churches in that part of the world. It, those, are, those are blessings, okay? And here, here's, here's what I want to just say at the outset. Let me just ask you this, okay? Here, here's, 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 what, here's what we're talking about. Would you like less pain and more blessing? <laughs> that seems like, what do you, give me a little something, okay? Would you like less pain and more blessing? All right, all right. That seemed like a no-brainer, okay? And that's what we're talking about here. So if that's what you want, and, I, and I'm, I'm telling you, I think this is what God wants for us, the first thing you have to do, the first thing you have to do, here's the generosity line, the first thing you have to do, you've got to give something. You, you, will not, you, will not get, you, you will not be able to avoid the pain, and you're not going to receive the blessing unless you actually take action behind this thing and you give something. Now, I want to talk about our church. Okay, Community Christian Church. And this is kind of the insider part, so don't tell anybody, okay? Um, I, I, I got a hold of our folks at our, at our central service, and particularly people that work with finances, and I said, hey, I need some information. And I, I asked, how many households do we have? And I asked first about the whole church, all of our locations. And I said, I'm going to be speaking at our Yellow Box location, so tell me, how many households do we have that are part of the Naperville Yellow Box? And they came back to me and they said, uh, give me the information. They said, there are 4,684 households that call community at the Yellow Box their church home. They come regularly enough, 4,684, that this is their church family, all right? Well, then I said, I said, okay, what I need to know next is tell me how many of those households gave nothing in 2018. Didn't ask for names, just numbers and percentages. And they told me, and I'm gonna tell you. And they said, that the percentage of households that, give, that gave nothing in 2018 was 65%. So 65% of people that consider this a church home gave nothing last year. Now, I gotta be honest with you. When I first got that number, I mean, I was kind of like, that sucks. <laughs> Right? I'm just keeping it real. Okay? Now, 
on the strength finder. You take the strength finder's test? On the strength finder's test, my, one of my top strengths is positivity. And so I also began to go, okay, hold it. But on the other hand, while that's not great, th- this is a really important talk <laughs> that we're going to have this coming Sunday. Now this is a really important talk for helping you avoid less pain and also be blessed. But in addition to that too, I mean, we're doing some awesome stuff. But there, we could really be doing some awesome stuff if we can challenge some people on this. And, and, and so I, I began to think, okay, there's lots of room for growth here. And so here's what I would do. I want to talk specifically to those of you who are the 65%. Okay? And I don't know who you are, so don't worry. Like, going, oh, what? this is really getting weird. <laughs> I just mean you know who you are, and I don't. But you know what I mean. Okay? <laughs> um, first of all, okay, you know what? As your pastor, I... I mean, it's funny. The older I get, the more you're like, this is going to sound really kind of cheesy, but I hope it's okay. It's more like you're more like my kids. It's kind of like, no matter what you do, I love you guys. All right? I do. I love you guys. I'm all in for that. And even more importantly, hear me on this, okay? More importantly than this, this is an important theological truth. Because this is also good screw you. God loves you. Even if you never, ever give a thing, he still loves you. No matter what. He loves you. Give me, give me a little nod if you're with me on that. I want to make sure that sinks in because this cannot become a performance thing, all right? But now, for this group right here, okay, you're not yet, you're not yet let on the ladder. So step number one, this, this is kind of actually truthful. I mean, this is the generosity ladder. This is kind of where you are right now, okay? You're kind of not on the ladder yet. <laughs> but what you need to do is you need to take the step to, let's say, hey, let's get in the game. Let's give something. And so for you, you need to go from here, let's just, to there. Just, we're going to take one step. We're going to take one step and we're going to give something. And here's my specific challenge, okay, to you. I want you to pick a specific amount. Pick a specific amount. Because I think when you pick a specific amount, it makes you kind of have to adjust your lifestyle. And it does something in here. Now, I don't have a Bible verse to back this up. But if you actually were one of my kids, here's what I'd tell you, okay? I'd say, Here's what, here's what I want you to start. Start with $100 a month. Okay? Can't be any clearer than that. Start with $100 a month. Because I think, I think if you start with $100 a month, it'll, it'll cost you something. It'll cost you something. And that way, it'll actually be more meaningful to you. If it's $100 a month, you're going to have to rearrange something. I mean, you're going to have to rearrange kind of your, your viewing habits or your, your entertainment habits or even your caffeine habits. But $100 a month, you're going to have to change some things. So that's a, that would be... If, you, if that's you and you're going to go from nothing to something, that would be a great place for you to start. And I know, I know some of you in the room here, you're going like, well, you know what? I'm in a season right now. I, I got nothing coming in. 3.8% unemployment, so it's actually pretty low right now. But, there, but some of us in this room, we don't have, and if you don't have anything, that's okay. You hold on to this, and when, it starts, when you start, something starts coming in, then you start applying these principles. The vast majority, we do have something coming in, and so... Let's go from nothing to something, a specific amount. And I'm telling you, if you do this, okay, if you do this, I'm telling you, you will avoid a whole lot of pain. Because money is a, it's, it's a weird thing. It would be a great thing, but it could also be a painful thing. And you'll also experience a whole lot of blessing. You got that? How are we doing? Doing okay so far? Okay, so here we go. Let's go to, now we'll go back to the pie chart again. Now, something else I asked. I asked this question. I said, okay, if that's how many give nothing, how many give something? Of those 4,000 plus households, how many give something? And what they came back and they said, oh, 
okay? 32% of people that consider this their church home, their church might give something. Now, this isn't a tithe, and we're gonna explain what a tithe is in just a little bit, but they're giving something. Now, maybe you're in this group, and maybe what happened is, you know, spontaneously, um, you gave a gift because you saw a need in the moment. Or we played a video or a story, and it kind of really did. It tugged to your heart, and you're like, man, that's a really important cause, and you gave something. Or maybe a guy showed up with goofy pie charts, and you felt guilty, so you're like, okay, here, I'll do something. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but if you're in this group here, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you, okay, for this part of it, if you're just given kind of something, I want to ask you to take this next step and go from here to give generously. To give generously. And when I talk about going from there to here, giving generously, what I'm talking about is percentage giving. Percentage giving. Now, why would I suggest that? I would suggest that because when you just give uh, occasionally, basically, and you just give out of emotion, there's no intention behind it. And, and you tend to remember times that you gave, and oftentimes it goes like, you know what, that was... 12 months ago, I put in 20 bucks. 18 months ago, you know, I did this thing because there was this, 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 this natural disaster, and we should do that kind of thing. But it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to, do, to give like that. But what can actually make a difference in here, okay, where your treasures there, your heart be also in here, what actually makes a difference here is when you give generously, consistently, and you give a percentage. Now, the Bible calls that tithing. Now, I kind of grew up with this concept, so I kind of took it for granted that everybody kind of understood this. But what I, as I talk to people, I understand people don't understand what tithe is. A lot of people think that if you just give anything to a church, that, oh, that's my tithe. Well, actually, that's not the case, okay? Actually, a tithe is actually 10%. Is that new news to people, folks? Because I'm, I'm kind of surprised how many, that's, it's actually 10%. And it actually goes back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament laws were given, and the followers of God always gave 10%. God gave them everything. They would give 10% back to God. Why did they give 10%? Because 10% was actually symbolic of an understanding that the whole came from God, and this little part, this 10%, I give back to him. So let me illustrate kind of how this works. What I have in my hand is I have, uh, I have here 10 uh, $1 bills, all right? So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I actually worked as a bank teller when I was in high school and then in college, see that? Um, so I have $10 bills. Now, the pattern that we see in Scripture is this. Every time God gives you this, right, because everything comes from God, can I get an amen on that one? We, we believe that, okay. That, he gives you this, then what you do is you take one of these and you give it back to him through his local church to help people find their way back to God. Now, I know that was pretty fast, so let's try it again, okay? So you get, <laughs> you get 10 of these from God. We already got an amen on that one, right? And, and it, I mean, how cool is that that God gives us? Our, and then we just, like, one of them we, we give back to our, our local church. Now, I mean, if we were actually believed this, we would probably go like, wow, that's really cool of God to give me 10. I, I'm stunned that I get to keep nine of them. Right? But we don't really, we don't always kind of think of that way. Now, here's the thing. I think you get the concept now. But here's what happens, okay? You get the concept, but here's what happens. What happens is this, when all of a sudden these ones turn into tens. Then it gets a little trickier because you can't really buy anything with a $1 bill. Right? What can you do with a $1 bill? So that's relatively easy. But then all of a sudden they're tens. You go, hey, with ten, I, I could buy a latte for me and my friend. Two lattes. 
And so you have to pause a little bit and go, okay, I got 10 from God. So, I, you know, I know Jesus gave his life for me. He gave me this awesome church. I get to be a part of a church family, right? I get to have heaven. So, you know what? I will sacrifice the two lattes. And we kind of do that, right? It gets even trickier, though. You start to, you get a real job, and all of a sudden these turn from ones that tens to hundreds, right? I don't know why it happens, but it's this way. When they turn to hundreds, all of a sudden, when you're about to put that $100 bill in that yellow bucket, you're kind of going like, hey, somebody should be noticing me here. Look at this. <laughs> you know, it's, you're laughing because you know it's true, right? I know sometimes I do that, right? I'm like, I wish these people knew how much I gave. Um, but then all of a sudden, you get a promotion. Now some of these turn into thousands or $10,000. And you do. There's something inside you going like, I should be getting some change back from God. Right? And what happens is, I don't know why it is, but we get freaked out by the zeros. We, we get freaked out by the zeros. God doesn't get freaked out by the zeros. In fact, God trusted you with all those zeros. He trusts you with all those zeros. And he doesn't really care about the zeros. Here's, you know what he just cares about? Just, hey, just do this. Because if you do this, if you do that, you're going to avoid a lot of pain and you're going to get a whole lot of blessing. Because where your treasure is, right, there will your heart be also. Where you put your treasure, your heart follows. The prophet Malachi just explains it in very simple terms. He says this, bring the whole tithe, we explain that 10%, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Only time he says, only time in scripture this is written, test me. Test me. He says, test me in this, and says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not, okay, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for store it. You, it's kind of like in a variety of ways, if, you'll trust, if you trust me with this, I'm going to give you even more extra, and then we're going to do this thing all over again. And, and I want to tell you something, too. And I want you to hear this from my heart. I am not having this conversation with you so we can raise more money for this church. That is not what this is about. When we started the church, it was myself, my wife Sue, my brother John, and five friends from college. And you know what? Here's the deal. Whatever you guys... And me included, we all collectively want to give the mission. That's what we'll spend on the mission. This is really about you. It's about you having a, developing a heart that's rich towards God and moving up this generosity ladder. But I'll tell you what, I can't help it a little bit because, I mean, there is a part of me, there's a leader in me and there's a visionary in me. I can't help but think for a moment, just think for a moment, if, if every one of these folks here that gives, that are something, if they actually moved up to, generos, to generously where you tithe, took that step, you actually did take this step where you tithe, if every household and community would tithe, you know how much money that, that just let's start with the yellow box, just the yellow box, that's 48, 40, or $46 million dollars. Can you, can you imagine how many, how many communities we could help transform? How many, how many kids who don't have hope or, or, or help, we could bring them hope and help? And how many churches we could plant? And all the number of people we could help find their way back to God. I mean, it's, I mean in some ways, this is kind of my experience after hearing the numbers. I was going like, wow, it's kind of cool that we're doing as much as we are when we're still not doing nearly as what we could be doing. Do you know what I'm saying? All right. So if you're in this group that gives something, the next step is you give, give generously. Move to a, like the tithe. And if, you can't, if you're going, man, there's no way I can get to 10%. Well, then, you know, figure out the percent. Go to 7 or 8. Just take some steps there. I, I'm not in a hurry for you, but I just want less pain and more blessing. Less pain and more blessing. All right. There's one more section of our pie chart. One more section of our pie chart, and here it is. 
I asked, I asked, the, I asked our central service team, I said, okay, well, how many uh, actually tithe? Take the median income uh, in, in, here in, in Naperville and just figure out, okay, how many, how many folks are actually tithing? And, and th- their, their best guess was probably about like this. They give 10% or more, about 3%. Okay, about 3%. Now, for those of who've made it, okay, to the middle of the ladder, okay, we're already kind of what we're calling tithing or give percentage giving. I think the challenge for us is how do we, you don't stop there when you're trying to be rich toward God, especially if you keep saying less pain and more blessing. No, you're going like, okay, how, how do I do that? How do I get up there? Where I get to extravagant, okay? Move beyond that to extravagant kind of giving. Because what happens, and anybody who's been tithing for any time, you understand, it's just, you find yourself, you're, you're, you're so excited about what God's doing, both in your own life, but also out in other places around the world, that you just want to go, like, how, can I do, how can I put more and more and more? And then you also find that God blesses you. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy kind of thing that happens. And here's the thing. Any of, any of us, okay, can climb this generosity ladder. We can climb all the way to the top. It's not about how much you have. I'm having flashbacks of Ian's hammock here. Remember? <laughs> this would make an even worse video. <laughs> but you, you, any of us can get to the top of this. Here's why, okay? Think about this. Remember Jesus? He was in the temple with one of his, some of his followers there, and people were coming in, and they're putting money in the temple treasury. You remember this? And all of a sudden, a widow comes by, and she drops in two coins, basically two pennies. And Jesus says, huh, right there? That's the most generous of all. Because she gave everything. All of us can climb this generosity ladder. All of us. And I'll tell you what, that's what I want for you. I, I want that for me. And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you what, I, I, want that, I want that for every one of you. I want us to learn, what does it mean for us to be rich towards God? And I'm telling you, don't put it off. Start today. Start today. Don't let, don't let money get a hold of you, okay? Don't, let, don't, let those, don't allow those self-inflicted painful things to, to happen or continue to happen. And allow those blessings to increase because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. All right, let's pray. Father God, You have been so generous to us. So generous. And you give with just unconditionally. And as followers of you and lovers of you, I ask that for every person in this room, and myself included, that you help us to know what does it mean for us to take the next step to be rich towards you. I guess maybe first of all, help us to realize that we do have extra. (laughs) And that you want us to use it to grow closer to you and to make a difference in this world. Do a work inside all of us. Do a work inside this church. We are grateful for what you've done, but Lord, I ask that you do even more. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.